0: Hello, welcome to Solomon's Temple. In this episode, we're going to explore the temple a little bit. Um, I'm going to get into my temple and how I'm neurodivergent to some capacity, which means I believe, and I'm undiagnosed, but essentially let's just admit it and call it what it is. Being perturbed physically for no reason, you know, can't stand the the tags on my own shirt, and how I obsessive thoughts, offhand just anger out of no particular reason ignoring uh, people's responses to me not socially connecting as well as I should however this is a detriment to my mental health but I'm, I'm also OCD I, I get re- really uh, frustrated when things aren't in a rightful spot <laughs> it doesn't even matter like something can just be a little bit not arranged the way I'd imagine it should and this will just drive me nuts um, I can't help but repeat the same thought patterns um, some of it's just triggered like I obsess if something kind of traumatizes me it'll it'll recycle a bit too much without getting closure I mean I could even see closure on it but it's almost as like my brain is, is just still hammering away at it and people have noted uh, different uh, phenomena where you know you I did have Tourette syndrome when I was young, starting from about six six or seven years old, on out, to probably in my teenage years, and they sort of dissipated, you know, after puberty and everything. So with this, it makes me a bit neurodivergent. You know, my brain doesn't work completely right. There's not a lot wrong with it, but there, there's also the thing, I mean, it is a myth to say that autistic people are typically geniuses. It's not always the case. But I think for a high-functioning person to have neurodivergence uh, when you navigate life, it does set up the stage for being very um, uh, not driven foundationally, as in unable to expand horizons uh, in multiple avenues, but where you you go into one form of intelligence or way of life and you ritualistically perform it to a very great capacity. And I, I mentioned... I don't know if you know before but i had mentioned a couple times that yeah I, I excel in certain areas and then there's other areas where i'm just not excel i'm not even average i'm like below average such as the case for high functioning uh, autistic people or neurodivergence or whatever you want to whatever you want to call it it's hard to really understand these, these things without a an experience of them and what it would actually feel like it's not very rational it's just sort of an automated Occurrence like Tourette syndrome, you know, you do these movements. Why why are those movements happening to you? Why do you do those things? Is there a purpose for that? It's like yeah, because if I suppress it, I feel awful and then eventually I'll do it anyway So really it's just an automatic you, you do it because you're compelled to for no reason So in a sense, it's a mental disorder and I don't feel very vulnerable about it or very unpleased to to internalize it It's not a big big deal to me uh, some people find it strange, but of course, I wouldn't associate with people that don't like neurodivergence. <laughs> so it's just a matter of um, of character quality at that point. But, you know, when autism I- is strong, it becomes sort of hard to be around, you know, like even if you're depressed, whether it's spiritually or literally like mentally, you're just so sad. Well, I guess there's, there's kind of a fine line there to explore, <laughs> maybe for another episode. But ultimately, there is a... A a depression that goes along with this kind of stuff because well, you don't feel right and the people around you don't feel right when they're around you And when you're socially alienated or you're frustrated things go wrong And then you isolate and then you become more depressed and for me and again, it could be a character quality I'm trying to find the line between what your energy is your energy body What your personality is like what your environments like and how that contributes to it but you see people go through situations that are pretty bad, and they don't isolate. So there's that. The contributing factors that lead to how you respond to life, your own life, and people in it, and the factors that are in it that you're supposed to be involved with. So that's that. Whether or not I'm formally diagnosed, is it's really just a, a bit of a shell game of well, technically, and da da da, and who told you? Did he wear a white coat, or did he? Or does he have a degree? Honestly, that's not really the demarcating line, but that is definitely a way in which you can you can tell for sure to make certain. But then again, I don't really even trust that. So I worked in a group home where I had dealt with someone with moderate to severe autism. And for the most part, it's rep- repetitive behavior. You could expect the same things from them day in and day out. Lots of gapping behavior where they would repeat the same movements to make themselves feel good or say the certain things to make them feel better. You know, it was the same thing. I want to watch this or I want to the, go to here or there. Or where is my family member? Um, and you can't really tell whether or not they truly mean it or they're just doing it because that's what their brain's firing at them. So there's closure of, of, of drives to want to repeat and isolate on a very narrow set of things over and over again. And you can describe the work world like this quite a bit. It's a highly controlled environment where you do a lot of the same thing day in and day out. It's kind of hard to find your way out of that once you've put in the time. It does put distress on the family. The family is unable to manage them in their lives. This is a fact. And they they seem happy as individuals, autistic people. But life becomes more dysfunctional and unhappy without their family, people they're connected to. And they don't see their reasoning or or are able to adapt to their new position very well at all. So without the family in the picture, it just becomes even more dysfunctional and unhappy. The Romans used to kill people like this. The state didn't know what to do about it. People didn't really understand it. So these people were just either sent off to die in the wilderness or they were just murdered real fast or poisoned or something. What are we going to do with you? And then the Christians came along and started developing the idea of, no, we've got to have a space for them, for them to exist, and there needs to be voluntary people that, that take them in. And this is kind of like the idea of the group home, or even the modern institution, or just the caretaker role, to take out time and hold space and protect these people. And that's what I was involved with. Furthermore, how is it societally manifested? Well, we tend to have very narrow avenues of interest our hobbies and our way of life seem to reflect this people take on one thing they like to do ritually and they they exist in that because that's just how people connect nowadays they, they only have time to do ritualistically the same things whether it's through a group or whether it's just through their own doing you may uh, go to the bar after work you may go to the same job for 30 years not knowing what else to do since you've already had experience in this field it's and you don't want to give up your profession because you've become so good at it, because you've done it repetitiously for how long? You see what I mean? And we reify it. You know, once you spend enough time doing the same thing, you become mastery at it. And what do we do with sports? I mean, it's almost like a fascist sort of thing. Like, no one remembers second place. Everyone's autistically driven to want to do the same thing so much that you perfect it. It's like a perfectionist type of, of, of way of being as well. Which to say is that you to not manifest and make um, make sharpen your craft or whatever it is. I mean, Lord knows, each time I I speak on the mic and and each day I engage with something, it becomes more thoroughly embedded in my dendrites and in my uh, my psychic awareness and chemistry. Repetition, they say, is the mother of all learning. I don't think it's the mother of all learning. I think it's the way in which you learn that's even more of a benefactor and what you're learning and how it corresponds with your actual life is an even better model. But it's true, the more you do something, the better you get at it. So how can you tell it's not cultural to begin with? And that it isn't just becoming more and more autistic as, as a behavioral model for all of us. Then you throw in certain brain functions, neurodivergence, retardation, and then you label it as autistic because those certain factors seem to have occurred and then I look at how we do things and it just yields that even more, more readily. It becomes more simplified and you could point it out. So you see where I'm going. It's almost like a slippery slope analysis of human behavior and alignment with autism. So in conclusion, we all resemble it in a way. And I've even seen this in my astrological underpinnings is my personality, the way in which I approach reality and feel it can appear to be autistic in some ways and that will be the same for other people and when do you transcribe autism with personality itself well you don't because they don't they don't relate not really but you see what i mean you're making like a correlative uh approach to life that doesn't prove anything or it doesn't connect because it doesn't but there's still that and lots of people like to tie in with language you know oh that's real schizophrenic or is exactly not autistic about it or This and that, it's just really insensitive kind of language. I think you should pay a lot more attention to your language. But to list off kind of the the main things to take away and to really absorb these points is going to take uh, the layman kind of out of that stupor. These are the key ingredients that sort of summarizes in basic what the autistic mode of being kind of looks like. So I'm going to list them off. Social communication deficits. As in, you don't really communicate all you need to. Or you take it in, perhaps, but you're unable to put it back. You're unable to reciprocate. So it's not that someone's not listening or not engaging, either. Repetitive sensory motor behaviors, doing it out of your own volition to repeat patterns and make you feel better, or it sort of resembles Tourette syndrome, like I was saying. These uncontrollable repetitive sensory behaviors that if I don't do it, I don't feel well sensory overwhelm i notice when i go places sometimes i'm like shit i just can't be here man i gotta get up and move around and i just can't take this all in this is like driving me nuts you excel in one area and do low grades in another we talked about that input process but not output process does not reach out to be held by mom does not imitate others which can be good could be a signal of intelligence there prefers to be alone yep Aloof manner. Now I'm a wool-gathering person. I'm a storyteller. I think deep thoughts. This does not mean I'm autistic by virtue of having this, although it's a part of it. You see, personality, it's not exactly correlate you to it. Little eye contact. Yes, I've had that a lot as a child, especially. Impaired conversation skills. Obsessive object play, which would be like lining up your toys and stuff, which I did. Lacks common sense. So these are all things. And you could say lack, lacking common sense is typical of, of, of more of a general population, but that's more of a judgment on your part uh, just because you wanna kind of go one up on the universe. But in a sense, yeah, to lack certain common senses would make you in a special way, like, yeah, this is, this is an autistic uh, sort of lack of, of knowing. They say that some causes are uh, a lack of vitamins in gestation three months prior to conception and the first month of pregnancy by and part of the mother contributing to the formation maybe of the most critical parts that needed to be formed at that time. They say that automotive exhaust might be a part of it. They say the frequency increases as you get closer to major highways. They say 20% of autistic people are a result of a mother who is obese. And they say that vaccines are the question mark, but it's usually mitochondrial disease that will, might emerge out of vaccines after the uh, year to eighteenth months vaccination cycle. And as soon as this was brought up in the paper I was, I was uh, consorting, it said it reached its limit. And you know, after 40 pages down, it said you reached your limit right on time. Like, just as it's getting juicy and they're talking about vaccines, oh, I'm sorry, you've reached your limit. That sounds like goddamn censorship to me. Honestly, I wanted to hear about the vaccines. But hey, you know, you can't touch that part because that's a big economic point in the healthcare system. So we have to censor it. Well, you know something's wrong there. Maybe something's wrong with vaccines. Anyhow, <laughs> I think this is still in its infancy. I mean, the diagnostic criteria has been successfully uh, determined in the healthcare field from about the mid mid eighties up to you know the two thousand tens. They say about eleven hundred percent increase in autistic diagnosis. Now that strictly has to do with just people coming online and going like, well, is there autism disorder here? I don't know. There's lots of variables that go along with that statistic I'm not equipped to explain, but it could just mean people having a, a relationship, like I said, as myself, which probably honestly is on the spectrum. But people who sort of pointed it out, like like I said, with behavioral models in the society is like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm autistic. I, oh, maybe you're not. But we're going to go ahead and give you medicine anyway, because we're going to make some money off you. You know, more doctor's appointments. You know, kind of keeps the ball rolling. So, anyways, we'll just stop there. Autism's not fun. For people that say, "Well, there's nothing wrong with autism," it's like, "There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with these things that appear and emerge without your control. It's not a moral flaw, um, but there's something wrong. You're not functioning." I haven't felt particularly very good about it. If I, if I must just make the claim, is that I haven't felt very good. It's almost like for no reason, I, I physically, mentally feel stressed out for no reason. So my reactions to life are so incredibly heightened and, and pain and just all of pain is so heightened for me too. Pain's uh, you know, physical or emotional or whatever, it's just sensitivity, I'm hypersensitive. So there you go, the angels that walk among us, the high functioning autistic people. I think maybe it, it could be a uh, evolutionary paradigm that's helpful in a sense. They say that a lot of geniuses sort of could be described this way. Einstein, Newton, various people. Okay, this one was fun. I will see you next time.